<laughs> Good evening, everybody. This is the Naked Pastor, the show that's all about you, your questions about God, faith, religion, and the Bible. And it's brought to you by Hashtag Audio. You can visit them at uh, www.avaudio.coza. Uh, um, yeah. So, tonight we're talking about standing in righteousness. How can I be right with God? Can I be right with God? What does it take to be right with God? And uh, what does that mean to be right with God? So the first thing that you need to understand that I want to just drop the bomb right in front of you. Now, boom, you cannot do anything to be right with God. It's not up to you. You're not that good. You can never make it. You will never make it. You will fall short of it every single time. You might maintain for a week, two weeks, a month, but you will sh fall short every time. So standing or in righteousness or being right with God is not up to you. What does the word righteous mean? If we understand the word righteousness, we will realize that we cannot be justified by ourselves. How do I attain the righteousness or being able to stand in righteousness? And why is standing in righteousness necessary why is it important for me to be right with god you've heard this often people say you know you've got to make right with god you've got to get right with god i'm going to get my life right with god etc 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 so considering all the death that's around us um we're talking about covert we're talking about uh, murders we're talking about looting and burning and assaults and car accidents there's a lot of reason to be right with god for us, it's important. For you and I, it should be important. For the world out there, it should be important. The thing is, I believe the perception we have of God is warped. It's twisted. We think we'll be able to just talk to God. We're going to just one day be able to stand in front of Him and give Him our opinion of what life is about and how life was and you know how come he did certain stuff and why he did things this way and that way and um you know we're like we're going to be able to just express our disappointment to him you see when we have got that image of who the lord is we've actually just become arrogant I want you to just get the perception or the perspective. And I'm not deviating off the fact that the Lord is love. God is love. The Bible says it clearly. God is love. He's merciful. He's gracious. His mercy is on you every morning. He is slow to anger and rich to love. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He remains the Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't change. He's not fickle. But I want you to understand that even though we live in the dispensation of grace and mercy, God is not to be mocked. When Satan tempts Jesus in the desert, he tempts him with scripture and he says to him, throw yourself down off this cliff and he will give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone and jesus's answer is remarkable it's remarkable because it reveals his reverence for his father he says you shall not tempt the lord 
your God. Why not? Why will you not challenge God? He is all-powerful. History is ridden, ridden with individuals challenging God. One, the Titanic, not even God can sink the ship. Maiden voyage, goodbye Titanic. So many people, you can go Google it, have challenged God and, well, they came off second best. I want you to understand that when, when we think of God, we, or Jesus, or the Lord, and, I, and I'm very clear on this, that, that there is one God. There is one God. There is not many paths to God. There is only one Father in heaven. And there is only one way to heaven. And the Bible describes it clearly, clearly, clearly. So the only book that can give us surety of salvation, Jesus is the only one in history that claims divinity that is born of a virgin, even though there are big churches, even in our country, that are denying the virgin birth of Jesus, that are denying that Jesus came in the flesh. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Um, the Bible is clear in Hebrews, is he who says that Christ didn't come in the flesh, he is the Antichrist. It's very easy to understand. Antichrist means against Christ or not Christ or saying Christ wasn't who he says. Who, that is Antichrist. There are people preaching of pulpits this. Why? Because they think one day they can be, they're going to be able to debate with God. They're going to be able to vote with God. God is not a democratically elected king or president. He is a king with a kingdom. He has got dominion and power, and he has got a sphere in which he rules, and he has subjects. He does not have citizens that vote. He has got subjects. He is king and he determines that. And it might sound harsh, but it's important that we get this concept into our mind. That first of all, he is king. He is Lord of all. He is the most high. There is none like him and none that can parallel and compare to him. And that even the angels bow to him and the demons, when they think of him, shiver in, they, in their pants and they shake in their boots. They got one over us because as humans, we have become so arrogant that we think, well, are we able to talk to God? I can discuss with God this thing. Or one day in heaven, you know, he's going to have to explain himself to me. Wrong. There will be no such thing. If we could comprehend and start understanding the awesome might that is God that speaks and by the sound of his voice, light exists that creates heaven and earth and he speaks and water moves. He says, and he separates water from the earth by the wise voice. Just by speaking, let there be light and there was light and he placed a sun and a moon by speaking. He just if we can get our tiny little brains to comprehend the magnitude of this almighty God that cannot tolerate sin. He hates sin. He detests sin. He abhors sin and unrighteousness. He will not stand for it. Never, ever will he accommodate it. 
The scripture says God is light and in Him there is no shade. There's not a twinkle, not a little spot of darkness. He is good and He is only good. There is no evil. There is no bad in Him. God is pure and holy and lovely. Only. And that is such a magnificent thought that it's... It's, he is more blinding than looking into the sun on a bright sunny day. He, his glory is more blinding than that. You, we will not be able to look upon his face. This is the God that you need to get right with. You need to stand in righteousness. Now, compare that to yourself or myself or Joe Soap if you want to. The best person you want you on earth, Mother Teresa if you want to. Not one single person can stand in front of this awesome, holy, pure God. His light permeates every part of my being and your being. You see, Psalm 91 says, He who hides in the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to consider this, that light has no shadow. You see, the camouflage that dark gives is nothing compared to the camouflage that bright light gives. So when we hide in Him, He sees, He hides us from anything else, but He also permeates right through our being. There's nothing in our hearts and our minds that we can hide from Him. And no person in his sane mind will ever be able to tell you and I or me that he has never had a bad thought. Or that is nothing impure in his heart. You see, all of us fall short of this glorious God. So to be righteous, to get it right with God, we cannot muster it. No amount of good works you do is going to do it. You can be the richest person in the world, give away all the money in the world, feed all the children in the world, and... You know, look after all the animals in the world and cause world peace and stop every single war and every crime and turn everybody's life around. It is not enough because somewhere you are imperfect and God is absolutely righteous. And that is the good news. I want you to understand, this is not calamity. This is not sin preaching and, oh, I can't make it, woe is me. That is the good news because God knows this. The Lord Jesus knows this. God the Father knows this. The Holy Spirit knows this. That it doesn't matter how much we try, we can never get there. Therefore, Jesus said, I will die for them. Therefore, Jesus said, I will go to the cross for them. The Greek word diakos means righteous. The quality of character to be right, to declare a person free from penalty of sin. So the only way that we can get it is that God has to declare it. The Strong's describes it a life of holiness, purity, loyalty, faith, truth and honesty you see when we say good we talk about you know that was a good movie or that meal was good or that was a good run 
But when God talks about good, when Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only one is good. He talks about God in his absolute perfection. Now, our smallest sin, let's say you've only sinned once in your life. Our small, and just a thought broke your relationship with God. All men have sinned. All fall short from the glory of God. There is separation between man and God. We, God needs to do something. And this is the beauty. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Paul writes and he says, I beg you. He, say, he goes onto his knees. And he says, please listen to me. Will you be reconciled to God in Christ Jesus? For he, Jesus, became my sin. He didn't take my sin. He became my sin. He, sin needs to be punished. Jesus got punished. He became my sin. And he took my punishment. And he gave me his righteousness. He imputes to me his righteousness. For in him we are the righteousness of God. He imputes that to us. Sin was dealt with on our behalf, cancelling every single record of it. God says in the prophets, He says, Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make you white as snow. He says, Come, let us reason. Let's talk about this. Let's be honest. Let's sit down, you and I. This is what the Father says to you. Let's, let you and I, we sit down and we discuss your sins. Where, where will you and I end up? We're going to be in the short end of that stick. Because if we are honest, and this is what God wants of us. He wants us to have a contrite heart. Say, Lord, I fall short. I cannot make it. I am destined for hell. And then he says, I'm glad you realize it. Your sins are like scarlet. They are red, covered with blood. But I will make you white as snow. He does this. So how to stand in righteousness, how to be right with God, it starts and it ends with the cross. It starts and it ends with the cross. Jesus lays down his sinless life, his perfect life. He steps in the gap and he says, Father, do not take out your anger on the humans anymore. Take it out on me. That's when he says, the work is done. It is finished. You see, when Jesus hangs on that cross, he cries out in one place. He cries out. And when and he says, Eli, Eli, lamach sabachthani. My father, my father, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced the separation from his father. Why? Because God had to reject sin. He rejected sin. He turned his back on sin. And he, the wrath and the 
anger and the law and the legal part of the covenant came upon Jesus. It killed him. It made his heart explode. The scientists reckon that's what he died of, a heart that exploded. How do they know that? Because when they stabbed in the side and the water came out, that is a telltale sign medically of a person whose heart has popped. So obviously that heart went into overdrive and couldn't handle and just exploded it. See, that second, the veil tore. The earth shook. The graves gave up. People rose out of the dead. <laughs> I don't want to be there. Imagine that. Graveyard suddenly pops open and people start standing up and walking around. I will run. But that's what happened. You see, when that veil, when the temple veil tore, that veil was about 30 centimeters thick. It was very wide. It weighed an enormous amount of weight. It tore from the top to the bottom because that veil is the separation between man and God. It tore. God said there is now no more separation between you and I because I make you righteous the very second you accept the price my son has paid. You see, righteousness or standing right or to be right with God is first of all a positional change. You'll go out of the accuser's stand to the, into the acquitter's stand. You're not the accused anymore. You get acquitted. God forgives you. The Father forgives you. He writes off your debt. He writes off your sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've been Ted Bundy or, Mal or Citizen X. I don't care if you've raped, stealed, murdered, molested, robbed, um, armed robbed, um, beaten somebody to, to a pulp. I don't care. God says the minute you accept the price my son has paid. I make you right with me. So when people say, listen, I need to make right with God. What do they mean? What do they? Most people think they're going to start, start living this pious life and go to church and read their Bible and pray every day and do good and give some money. It will get you nowhere without relationship. It will get you nowhere without receiving Jesus into your heart. The gospel, from every point you look at it, comes back to one place. It is the biggest stake, the biggest revelation that you and I can voyage in. It's, it's, it's like Star Trek. It just keeps on going beyond where we can think. And it's always at the cross. The cross is everything. How do I obtain righteousness? I accept Jesus. He sanctifies me. He cleanses me. He separates me from my sin. He forgives my sin. He forgets my sin. He says, I remove your sin as 
far as the east is from the west, and I will remember it no more. Why the east to the west? Because if you go east, you will carry on driving east forever. Or if you turn around and you say, I'm going to drive west, you will carry on driving west forever. But if you drive north, you will get to the North Pole. If you go south, you will go to the South Pole. There's a limit to it. The north and the south has got a bearing where you can reach. But the west keeps on coming and the east keeps on coming. There's no end to it. That's how far God removes your sin from you. So how do I become right with God? I go to the cross. It doesn't matter what you've done. See, that's the first part. When God imputes to you His righteousness, He gives it to you. He says, you have now got my... It's not an earned thing. You can't earn it. It's the unmerited favor. It is mercy and grace. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that I deserve, and grace is not... Is receiving that which I don't deserve. God, we don't deserve the righteousness of God. We fall so far short of it. In our human nature, we just never cut it. I don't care. You can be preaching 20 sermons a week. If you have never, ever received Jesus into your life, you are not standing in righteousness. You will not and cannot be in the presence of God. Just can't. And I don't care if you are now in jail for a triple rape murder homicide. If you receive Jesus into your heart, you are reconciled with God. That's liberating. That sets you free. No amount of work, no amount of effort, no amount of doing good can get you there. No amount of going to church can get you there. It is a decision you can make now. Is any person. Here's the thing. God wants all people saved. All people. John 3.16 says it as clear as daylight. Because there's some there's a there's a, there's a lie that's permeated through the, 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 the Christian world and the world and and through and it's based and it says that not everybody can be or will be saved. God's heart is that all men should be saved. That's clear in scripture. He desires that all men be saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, not part of the world, not the, uh, a certain section or certain race, a certain income group. He died. God so loved the world, the whole world, everybody in it, from the beginning of time till the end of time, that He gave His only Son, that whosoever, whosoever, that, that means whoever, Whoever, Joe Soap, John Doe, G.I. Jane, poor, rich, black, white, pink, Indian, crooked, crippled, blind, sick, dying, 
whosoever believes in his son shall be saved. What must he believe? It's very easy. Number one, that Jesus was born of a virgin. There is divine conception. You have to believe that. He wasn't made like normal humans made. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. You have to believe that he lived sinless. That he never ever sinned. That he is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. You have to believe that when he, he died on a cross, he was crucified. You have to believe that he died on that cross. He descended into hell. And you have to believe that he woke up after three days and thereafter ascended into heaven. Romans 10 verse 8, 9 and 10 says it like this. What does it say? The word of faith that we preach. The word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth we confess unto salvation and with the heart we believe. So what must I believe? That Jesus is God also. He is Lord. So when he said, I am, he wasn't delusional. He wasn't uh, bipolar. He wasn't having a, some psychological uh, <laughs> mishap in his mind. He is, I am. He says, the Father and I, we are one. When I believe that with my whole being. Now, here's the thing. I promise you this. You cannot force yourself to believe. I, I dare you. If you don't believe in Jesus, decide now to believe. You can't get it right. You will not get it right. If you battle with that, you need to forgive. You need to forgive those that hurt you. You need to be, because that, you know, you can't wait for an apology. You just can't wait for an apology. Jesus hangs on a cross. They're spitting and swearing and stabbing and going mull. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nobody apologized. That's the standard he sets. If you are battling to believe that Jesus is Lord, I want you to make a list of the people that harmed you. Take that list and say the following. I forgive you. Tear it up and throw it in a fire. You see, we are called by God. You see, no one can brag. There's no bragging rights in I got saved or I made my life right with God or I found Jesus. No, no, no. He first loved you. Therefore, we love him. He's the initiator of this relationship. He is the one that reaches out to you. It's his spirit that draws you in. And anybody else that says that, doesn't understand the scripture. The scripture is plain in that God initiates the relationship. He did it on the cross. 
God is the one that's reached out through our generations. He's the one that reached out to Moses. He's the one that reached out to Noah. He's always been the one that initiates the relationship. So it's not I found Jesus. It's Jesus found me. He knocked, I opened. I received. That's it. You are saved by what you received. You are put in righteousness by what you receive. Listen to this, John 15, 4. Jesus says, then once you have received him, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in him. And this leads us to the second part of righteousness. It is called the walking out of my salvation. You might be a, a constant liar. You might be a kleptomaniac, stealing money, lying, cheating, and you, you, you get saved. You might be an addict and get saved, and you want to stop that. Because every time you do it, you feel guilty, and you feel bad, and you're like, am I still saved? Yes, you are saved. Once you receive Jesus into your life, you change positions. You are now seated in heavenly places. You now rule over sin. Romans 8 verse 1 and 2. You now rule over sin. You are no longer subject to the law of sin and death. You have become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. But how come am I struggling? And that is the walking out of my righteousness. It's the walking out of my salvation. And I can only do that when I permanently make my stay in him that's the word abide is when i constantly seek his face when i constantly long to be in relationship with him it's not a difficult concept ask any guy that's married you want to spend time with your wife even if you don't want to spend time and you feel you need to take a break you look down to your left hand and you see there's a ring on your finger and you're like reminded oh i am married you see, when we get saved, when, when we receive Jesus, He circumcises our heart. He seals us with the Holy Spirit. He puts His stamp on us that we are His. You can't take it off. And then He starts working on the inside. It's not a set of external rules. It is an inward, moral, spiritual value system that changes because jesus comes and resides inside of you and from the inside he speaks and he says we don't do this we are uncomfortable with this we are holy and he's talking about his father himself and you because you can be holy because he is holy this is good news Here's your naked truth for tonight. This is the Naked Pastor show sponsored by Hashtag Audio, one of South Africa's leading audiovisual companies. The Naked Truth. To be right with God is a work of God. You cannot do it. Whether you like it or not, you will never be able to stand in front of God and debate the situation. Whether you like it or not, the only way to be in right standing with him is to accept the price that Jesus paid for you. 
Good night. Enjoy. God bless.